Amen. Good morning, everybody. Hope you are all well rested and ready for the day. It seems like you can, I mean, yesterday people were like, can you tell the, the Wednesday hump and you start kind of going down the fatigue side and today it's even a little bit more. But we are here this morning in the presence of the Lord. I'm excited to see what he has in store for us today. And first I'm going to start with a couple announcements and that is if you would look at this lovely lady here that's going to try to ignore you. She is like my right-hand woman. And give her a hand. She, yeah, if you know Missy Lindsner, you love Missy Lindsner. She will do anything for anybody. And um, she is in here before I am in the morning getting some things set up. And I just so much appreciate her and her friendship. And with that said, Thank you, Missy. With that said, we are not doing our sweet treat meat thing today. Instead, you can grab a little sweet treat on your way out today if you would like. As I said yesterday, there, is, there are some cards. If you want to put, give me your name and email, I'll be doing a drawing tomorrow. Um, I was supposed to have my book launched already by this week to get in your hands this week, and it did not happen, so it will be coming out um, later this summer. And so um, if you're on that email list, then you will be um, receiving a devotion in your email as well as information on when the book will be coming out. So that's a little announcement about that. Now we are going to, I didn't put on your handout the whole review thing that we had yesterday, but I'm going to go through it. And when I point to you, you can say the words. So just going to go through some of our phrases. We were created on... And for a, and that is to what God? Love God and what? Love others, yes. And God will use our what for his purposes. He will use our pain for his purposes. And that is a difficult one, but um, after continuing to visit with so many of you, we're just seeing how that unfolds. And God is in the midst of even our pain. And... Moses, we learned about, was freaking out. He thought he was ill-equipped. He was making all these excuses. But we were learning that God equips the unequipped. And that one is on your handout. God equips the unequipped. We need to trust that he is going to provide you with every single thing you need to carry out his purposes. He is not going to call us to do something that he is not going to prepare us to do. And that is a huge thing for us to be able to wrap our brains around. Um, it took Moses a while to figure that one out. Our purposes are wrapped up in what kind of moments? Just everyday, normal moments. Our purposes are wrapped up, and so we need to be on the lookout and if you are new here, and I'm seeing a lot of new faces today, if you are, are new, we have been talking about how we just a lot of times are looking for this big, grandiose, lightning bolt kind of purpose to flash before our eyes. Dear God, what is the purpose of my life? And more often than not, it is not that big flash. It is small things that are happening in our everyday moments that we need to take that first step 
that first um, decision to follow through, whether that's go back and talk to that person. I have something I want you to say to that person. That person over there, your neighbor, they need some gas money. You're in tune with what God is speaking to your heart and you're following through on that. And those are just daily, everyday moments um, instead of that big lightning bolt thing. So I'm going to pray one more time and then we're going to dive into Acts chapter 9. Heavenly Father, I thank you once again for this group here this morning. I thank you for bringing us here, uh, each and every one. And you have a purpose in our being here at this campground this week. And that purpose is a little bit different for each one of us. Some of us are, are really being impacted by the teachings in the, in the evening and the others in the morning. And some um, are just receiving such wonderful ministry at the, in the dining hall with conversations that are happening. You are meeting each person exactly where they need to be met. And we thank you for knowing us so intimately that you do that for us. It is a, a precious gift for you to meet our hearts right where we need it. And we're asking for that this morning, Lord. We're asking that you would calm our spirits and we would just breathe and inhale all that you have for us this morning. And some of it might be on this message from Ananias. Others of it might be later in today's message as we talk about some forgiveness. Um, Lord, we just ask that you'd open our hearts so we could receive whatever it is that you have for us this morning. We love you so much, and we pray these things in your precious name. Amen. All right, I'm going to hit the, the book of Acts. It's in chapter 9, and we are going to talk about this man who is in here for nine verses. His name is Ananias, all right? And Ananias is not a main Bible character. He's not a Jonah and a Moses and a, um, one of the disciples. He is in these nine verses. Only his purpose is so very, very important, and that kind of reiterates our whole thing of it doesn't have to be flashy. Our purposes are not necessarily flashy. They are just following what God desires for us to do. So Ananias, before this part that I'm going to start to read, I'm going to start to um, share at verse 10. But what is going on here is we have what we would call one of the main Bible characters, Saul, who has yet at this point to be changed into Paul. But at this, right before this, Saul is going around and he is a hater of Christians. He is persecuting them. He is killing them. He is doing all kinds of horrible things, even looking and seeking out Christians. He was just um, experienced the, the watching and the probably cheering on of Stephen, who was martyred, stoned to death. And so he was part of that. He is a bad, bad dude. He is powerful, and he is a hater on believers. And that is where we start today in verse 10. It says, now there was a believer in Damascus named Ananias, and the Lord spoke to him in a vision, calling Ananias. So this is a believer, just like 
one of us. This is a man going about his day, so you could insert your name there. Now, there was a believer for me in Unionville named Ananias. Oh, I mean, named Misty. Oh, my gosh. My name is Misty. Nice to meet you all. So there's a believer in Unionville named Misty. This guy is just living his life. He's a, he's a believer, and he gets this vision. And the Lord is saying, Ananias, he says, Yes, Lord, he replied. The Lord said, go over to Straight Street to the house of Judas. And when you get there, ask a man, ask for a man named Tarsus, from Tarsus named Saul. He is praying to me right now. I have shown him a vision of a man named Ananias coming in and laying hands on him so he can see again. But Lord, explained Ananias, I have heard. Many people talk about terrible, terrible things this man has done to believers in Jerusalem. And he is authorized by the leading priest to arrest everyone who calls upon your name. But the Lord said, Go, for Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to the kings as well as to the people of Israel. And I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. So Ananias went, and he found Saul. He laid hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road, has sent me so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Instantly, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he regained his sight. He got up and was baptized and then went and got some food to regain his strength. Now, This is pretty cool. I think of Ananias as a little bit different than Matthew. There's some similarities in the sense of they both got asked to do some crazy big thing, right? But Moses, we learned yesterday, there's all these, you know, oh God, here's another excuse. Oh God, here's another thing. While he's talking to the burning bush, you know, God, you know, I'm not sure this is going to work out. And then it, it showed us that he actually pleaded at the end, like, please, God, do have anybody do this but me, right? He just was exhausting God with this thing that God was asking him to do. I picture Ananias' situation a little bit different, but Saul is out there doing these horrible, horrible things, and he is eager. He has death threats at this point out to any of the believers. And he is very powerful. And here is Ananias receiving this message of go to this guy. So he's like, okay, okay, maybe God forgot that I am one of the believers that this man basically has is trying to kill all of us and he wants us me to go and not just talk to the dude from a distance but he wants me to get close enough to this man to lay hands on him i mean think about that if i am very scared of scott shouse back there and i'm going to be like okay god wants me to talk to scott shouse um Hey, Scott, by the way, how you doing? Okay, all right, uh, God bless. Holy Spirit, come upon you. And I got a lead on him if I want to take off running. This was not the case. God was very specific and said, you go and lay hands on him. He had to go right up 
close enough, yes, close and personal, to this murderer. And he asked them one time, it says he asked them, you know, in case you forgot God, but God was like, nope, I, I got this straight, Ananias, don't worry, this is, this is true stuff, this is what I want you to do, so go and do this. And this guy does it. He goes, he follows what God's purpose was for him, and he makes his purpose is intertwined into a huge thing then, right? I mean, this is Paul, the Paul of the Bible, the Paul that there's crazy stories about the work that Paul does for the Christian faith. And Ananias was this man, a believer in Damascus, a random believer in Damascus, and his purpose was to go and do that have the guts to make that step and do that. Was he a little hesitant? Yeah, he was. He probably was like, holy cow, I can't believe I'm having to do this. But he did it. He obeyed. He took that step. And what a miracle he was able to witness then. I mean, it says the scales just fell off of him. He was filled right then with the Holy Spirit. Ananias was able to experience this. He followed God's will. And by doing that, he saw God working right there in his midst, this man just overtaken with the Holy Spirit. And then he was able to watch as Paul's life just radically changed, right? This man was a changed man, and Ananias was a key part in being used by God for that. I have a question on here because I wanted to see what um, similarities or differences you think think there is between Ananias and Moses and that is one of the first questions there so just chat about that for a second with your um, whoever's next to you or if you're a loner and you want to do it on your own this morning that's fine but um, what do you see as a couple differences between Ananias and Moses and they can be positive negative it doesn't doesn't matter we're just looking at different differences of people All right, we're going to have you wrap it up. I need just a couple people just shout out. Do you see similarities or differences between Ananias and Moses and, and why? What, what do you see as? They were both obedient, yes. They both finally stepped out and did eventually. Good word, eventually. They were both hesitant. They both, yeah, paused a little bit. It wasn't like either one of them were like, got it. Yeah. They kind of had a little hesitation there. Anybody else? Yeah, 
I love that. Yes, I love that. Ananias was phys physically would have been in danger. That was the, you know, keeping the distance kind of thing. Like this dude is physically killing people. And M Moses had this internal conflict going on in there. Um, so, yeah, very cool. Yes, and Ananias, she said, was asked one time about it, and Moses just multiple times continually, and finally God was like, okay, I'll send your brother along to help you out, dude, okay. Um, so, yeah, a little bit different. I, I see in that, if anybody who has children, do you see some similarities in that? Like you have some kids that are just like, got it, mom, got it, dad, okay, and then other ones it's like, you know, 10 times later, you're like, okay. So there's some similarities in, in Bible characters that we take into our own lives. Anybody else? One more. Anybody else? Yeah, over there. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. So their their ultimate goal or what they were trying to accomplish was different for each one. Moses was, she said, Moses was in charge of, going to be in charge of, you know, this whole people group, basically. And then Ananias, it was kind of between um, him and Saul. And you had one, too. Oh my gosh, you guys are so good. I need to write these down. He said, say that, I'll say that really loud. Ananias was frightened for what he knew from the past. Moses was frightened for, no, I said that, yeah, for, the, for what the future might hold. Yeah, wow, that's good. We could have like many sermons on each one of these things you guys are saying. Yeah, yeah. Right, right. So Ananias was a believer in Jesus. He had been part of that. Yeah, very good. Wow, that is some awesome stuff. Um, thank you for doing that. Today, I'm going to have Todd come up a couple different times as we share some things about um, just hesitant, hesitancy sometimes in following what, what God wants us to do and what that looks like um, in a very physical way, like Ananias had to do something physically, needed to go to, this, to Saul and, and lay hands on him, make that decision. And then we're going to kind of finish the morning with um, things that are more like going on internally. That's kind of cool that you said that, um, whoever said that. There's um, things, purposes that God works on within us that are internal type of purposes and not necessarily a physical step but more of a spiritual mental step and so that's where we're headed today and so I'm going to bring my wonderful man up here and he's going to share a little example for us.
Yes, as you can see, the handout, I don't know if the one who told me pointed that out, it needed tools, but there's a tool next to the flower now, so guys, you can feel more included, but not quite as floral, yeah. Actually, Scott thinks that's a, a good idea. If you know me, I have lots of wrenches in a pile somewhere. They don't, they don't get used very often. People have been asking me about the flowers, and I'm like, actually, this summer it should be weeds. The weeds are winning. It's terrible in my flower garden. But anyway, um, in 1990, Misty and I uh, were able to um, start to help with the youth program at our church at Wisner. And so we we're 26 years old, and it was a little bit of a different twist because normally in a small church, the youth program might be run by a parent who has a kid running through. And so there was a void, and Misty's sister was coming up in the program. So we started being involved in youth ministry about 1990. At that time, I worked at Saginaw Valley uh, State University, uh, running the uh, Cooperative Education Student Employment Program, and we're involved in our church and youth ministry. And so as an employee of Saginaw Valley, I had access to the Rider Center that was new at that time, the big new gym. And so we decided with uh, some friends we went to church with called the Fletchers, Steve and Tanya. You guys probably know those guys. And they're like, hey, let's do a big lock-in at the Ryder Center. And I'm like, I, got, I can get you in. So I called the manager and said, hey, this is what we'd like to do. And they're like, well, we really haven't done anything like that before, but let's give it a shot. So we came in and brought, I think there was seven busloads of kids came in at that time. They're all over the Ryder Center, and we had a great time. And we did that a couple years in a row. And Steve and some of the folks that uh, worked with him were like, hey, you guys should join us. You should leave your job, and, and you should join us in ministry at YFC. And I'm like, I'm nuts. <laughs> I like paying my bills. You know, I like working eight to five. Um, but over and over again, they kept saying, hey, you know, you, got, you guys got a gift for this. You should think about it. You should think about it. And so was very hesitant in making that decision. And it probably took, I think it was over a year that we, we batted this around. Should we do that? You know, should I leave this awesome job where I get to play basketball at noon? Every semester there's new kids coming in. It, it's so much fun uh, growing and learning. But there was something that wouldn't let go. And so finally, uh, after about a year, we made the decision to jump. And so we went in and we interviewed Ken Smeeter. He didn't interview us. We interviewed him. <laughs> like, if we're going to do this, we need to know uh, that it's going to work. And uh, so I, we made the decision, had lots of people praying about it, decided to go. Just as when we first got married, people thought, oh, I hope they make it. <laughs> when we told people that we were going to switch and go to YFC, I think they're like, oh, Lord, they got two kids. Uh, I hope they make it. Uh, but God is so good, and, and we did make it. But it was really hard when I went into my boss's office, Diane Brimmer, Dr. Brimmer. She was an academic career person. And I went in and said, hey, I, I need to leave. Whoa. That's a surprise. What are you going to do? You're going to go to another university? And I'm like, I'm going to go into ministry. And she wasn't a believer, and she's like, hmm, well, why, why do you want to do that? Well, because God's calling me to do it. She just kind of shook her head and said, okay, well, how do you argue with that? And I said, good luck. <laughs> and so 
that's how we joined YFC in the summer of 1994. I'm going to keep you up there for a second. So um, we did that for how many years? 94 to 2001. And then we had our fifth child. So we started with two. We ended with five in those years of ministry. Fruitful years <laughs> and of ministry. Yes, fruitful years of ministry. <laughs> and at that point, after our last child, I started to have some health issues. And we had kids 15, 10, five, well, four when the last one was born, four, two, and newborn. Two and newborn. And our lives were just uh, crazy, insane. And so he left YFC and went into um, Nitsky and Foppel, which is an accounting firm in Pigeon. He was laid off in what year? 2008. And so tell a little bit about that second experience as well. So um, in you know, the Lord graciously provided, because like Missy said, 15, 10, 5, 2, a newborn, we had our own youth group. And so I didn't need to be out running around chasing other people's kids. And I was hesitant to leave YFC. It took about a year for me to, to go to Steve uh, Fletch, my boss, and say, hey, I'm out. And uh, so God graciously provided this opportunity. I have a business degree. So I was able to work and learn alongside some really awesome people at this firm. And it came 2008, as you remember, everything tightened up. I was uh, doing consulting. So as everything shrunk and people could spend less money, they still had to do their taxes. But you didn't have to hire a consultant. And so my position was being eliminated. And I was out on the market applying for jobs at the same time that General Motors is laying off 4,500 people. It was really, really difficult. I was freaking out. I'm sorry. I w- thank you. I was freaking out. <laughs> what am I going to do? And Misty reminded me that I'm a youth guy. And in those seven years, I would frequently come home and say, you know how hard it is to be in a cubicle? with accountants. No offense if you're an accountant. Love you guys. Appreciate what you do. You have a special calling. Um, Missy's like, maybe you need to go back to ministry. And I said, are you nuts? I want to pay my bills. And so I knew that I needed to get back into ministry. And I said, Lord, I I just can't, can't do this. And he says, do you trust me to provide for you? And I said, no. I want to know right now, what is it going to look like if I make that light up the path for me? And he wouldn't do it. But he said, do you trust me to give you enough light for the next step? And I wrestled with God for six months. And in that six months, we never missed a bill. We paid our mortgage. Our kids were clothed. They were fed. And he said, do you trust me now? He broke me down. I needed it to be prepared for the next stage of life. And he built me back up. And I said, yes, I do trust you. I still didn't see the whole path, but I trusted for each step, and then the next one would um, light up. And I went back to YFC in 2009. I've been back ever since. Yeah, awesome. 
Thank you. You can stay up here because you're going to be doing sharing again. So <laughs> sit there and wait because there's another turn. <laughs> That's right. Oh. So those were a couple of the experiences that, that we have had that were um, kind of more of those big lightning bolt kinds of things. But when you break those down, they still come down to that heart issue of are you willing to take that first step? And that first step is so scary. That first step for Moses to go in toward Pharaoh, oh my gosh, how scary was that? That first step for Ananias to start walking toward Saul, how scary that had to have been. And these things were big, scary things in our life at that time. And we wondered, you know, God, are you sure? Are you sure? He wrestled more than I did. And I, I think that is because he was the one who was providing for the family financially. And he was that six months that he speaks about. Um, he was laid off, so he was between those two jobs just trying to figure that out. And that was a very difficult time because... I couldn't. Sometimes you have to know we can't change somebody else. God has to do it. We can keep praying like crazy. We can keep encouraging them. But it was between him and God. Todd didn't need to trust me and what I was saying. I mean, he did to an extent, but he really needed to be saying, God, I'm letting this go. And yes, I can trust you in this. And so those steps of faith were um, just really big ones. But I want you to think about, um, is there something that you are being hesitant about doing? Something that you feel like God is calling you to? And it could be a, a big thing. It could be a job change, something like that. It could be a conversation with somebody that he wants you to have. Is there something, this is on your handout, that you're being hesitant, that you're questioning God? Are you sure, God? I want you to jot that down. Just think about that for a minute. You're not going to have to share this with anybody. I just want you to have a minute um, to see if there's something that you feel God wants to use you as part of his purpose, and yet you're like, Ugh, you just are fighting it. So think about that and jot that down if you have one. we can be reminded of the scripture that we've talked about each day where God is with us always, right? He doesn't um, call us to something and then just lead, leave us. Like yesterday's story with my dad and him preparing all of the stuff for me to go hang those signs. God has prepared. He's pouring into us the tools we need to accomplish the purpose that he's called us to do, whether that 
is a job change, whether that is a difficult conversation we need to have with one of our children, whether it's something going on with our spouse. He is preparing. Pray about that. Say, God, equip me. If it's a conversation with someone else, say, God, please prepare their hearts to receive and, and pave the way with prayer as you walk into whatever that is that God's calling you to do. He wants us to remember he is with us and we can be bold. I want, I want to look at these scriptures. I think they're on the back of your sheet. Yeah, on the back of your sheet. 2 Corinthians 3.12, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. Do we go about the purpose God has called us to do with boldness? We can. We have, if we are Christians, we have him residing in us. We can have the boldness of the Holy Spirit and go in boldness because of the hope we have in him. 2 Timothy, one of my favorite verses, for God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power and of love and of sound mind. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of the Lord. Do not be ashamed to go about carrying out the purposes that he has for us. We can go forward with those purposes confidently, not hesitantly. Whatever they are, when we are hearing, and I've talked to some of you, and you're, you've been like, Here's, I think God is asking me to do this, such and such a thing. Go for it. Go for it. If you're hearing that voice, then trust that he is walking with you and that he is going to go forward in that. The message, again, says God doesn't want us to be shy with his gifts, but bold and loving and sensible. Don't be embarrassed to speak up for our master. Sometimes the message just like takes the hammer and bams it over your head. It's like, come on, just go do it. I've given you the gifts and the talents. I've equipped you, so stop turning and we're running the other way. You're ready. Let's go. Ephesians 3.12, in him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. In the message, when we trust in him, we're free to say whatever needs to be said, Bold to go wherever we need to go. When we trust in him, we're free to say whatever needs to be said and bold to go wherever we need to go. Do we speak with that kind of confidence? Do we take that first step along that dark path with only that tiny light for the first step? Are we willing to do that with boldness and confidence? God tells us, yes, we can. He has equipped us. He wants us to do that. This next part that I'm going to have Todd come up and share is going kind of off of this first part. We're free to say whatever needs to be said. And so this is um, more of a, a heart thing that God was dealing with with Todd. In second grade, my bedroom was right off our living room in our little house in Fairgrove. And I remember being uh, sent to bed. Uh, next day was a school day. And then hearing my mom and dad fight in the living room. And in a kid's mind, you know, we deal with a lot of kids that uh, talk to us about their parents' situation. And they're taking some of that on. Like, what did I do? Is it me? And the same thing happened to me. And so the marriage was really rocky, a lot of fighting, uh, 
infidelity on my father's part. Um, it wasn't a Christian home. And finally, everything came to a head when I was 16. That was the final, we're done, we're leaving. And so my father's trying to say goodbye to my brother and my sister and I. And I remember telling him in very poor language to get the blankety blank out. We don't need you. We don't want to see you. We're done. Angry. So angry. And still in that teenage mind trying to go back to being in second grade and being like, gosh, you know, is it something that, that I did? I don't know the psychology of why kids go there. But be careful what your kids hear you talking about. Anyway, um, so my father was an excellent provider, uh, worked hard, good role model in those areas. And so there still was a surface relationship. He came to everything that my brother and sister and I did. If we were going to play tic-tac-toe uptown, he'd have showed up to watch. I mean, he was very supportive in that way. Um, you know, Christmas gatherings, but everything was on the surface. You know, just not ready to engage you. You know, hey, thank you for the awesome Christmas gifts. Appreciate that. Thanks for coming to, to my game. That's about it. And as you know from our store, we got married kind of young, and uh, so we have a son. And so we're having these get-togethers. My dad wants to get to know his grandson. He wants to spend time with him. And I'm kind of just sleepwalking through that. And I'm thinking in the back of my mind, and I'm wrestling and holding on to this anger I have for him, but also knowing that my son is innocent in this whole thing. And he has a grandfather who would love to spend time with him and develop a relationship with him. So that was a lot of wrestling that went on in the first few years of our marriage, which also involved the first two years of our son's life. So I'm in Sunday school class, and my mother-in-law is the teacher. It's a great class. It's early December, and I don't remember what, scripture she was using, but the basic uh, idea behind the class is, hey, we all probably got somebody that we need to reconcile with. Let's do this as a class. She got out some cards. She says, just write a card to that person. Maybe inviting to get together and see if you can, if you can maybe take some steps forward. And I immediately knew, darn it, it's got to be my dad. Did not want to send that card. But what could I do? It's my mother-in-law teaching the class. I'm not going to be able to get away with this. So I wrote out a card. And I fortunately was growing spiritually at this time and understood that the unforgiveness I held on to was such a crushing weight that I was bearing. And so I needed to deal with that. And so if you'd have asked me if I ever would have said these words, I, I'd say no way. But I wrote on the card, Dad, 
would you please forgive me for how I handled that situation? There's no way I could understand in second grade or at 16 the dynamics of what was going on. If you'd like to get together and have lunch, let's do that. Hope I sent the card hoping that there wouldn't be a response because I still want to hang on to that, right? You want to hang on to that anger, that unforgiveness. I'm justified in this. And what? That bugger called me. Said, hey, Todd, I got your card. I I'd, I'd really would like to get together. So we arranged a time to have lunch in Cairo. There was a Big John's restaurant at that time. I don't Maybe it's still there. Anybody from Cairo? Okay. But you've eaten there. Yeah. So we're there, and I'm nervous, and, and he's a little nervous. He came from work. He worked in Cairo, and, and I went over, and we sat down, and we ordered our sandwiches, and, and I just said, hey, Dad, I meant what I said on the card. Would you forgive me for how I treated you? And I want you to have a relationship with our son. I think he was expecting maybe a little bit more of, hey, ask me for forgiveness because you're the one that messed up. But that, you know, really, that's how it's better. It's better to approach it that way. You just say, hey, you did what you did. It happened the way it happened. I don't understand it, didn't agree with it, don't approve of it. But my reaction to it didn't make anything better. It didn't make me better, didn't make him better. So he says, hey. Todd, absolutely. And would you please forgive me for the actions that I took that caused so much pain to your mom and to you and your brother and sister? So there's a bunch of people at Big John's and Carol wondering why these two men are crying in their sandwiches. <laughs> and we finished lunch, and our relationship has blossomed. I'm happy to say it's been a couple decades since that lunch and my dad has a wonderful relationship with me and with all of our children and uh, but it would not have been possible without uh, some pushing from some other Christians that encouraged me in my walk thanks babe can forgiveness be part of God's purpose for us it definitely can. Again, we look for that big flash in the sky, and yet forgiveness is such a deep heart issue. But what bigger purpose? We love God. We love others. And part of, I mean, who Jesus is. Jesus came to this earth. He forgave each one of us. We are to be Christ-like. What what other way? Loving others, forgiving others is so much in the purpose of God. And it is a difficult, difficult one sometimes. But it is a purpose that God had in mind for Todd that ended up overflowing into our family and changing the dynamics. It changed the legacy of our family because of that step. Because my mom, who was the teacher, felt prompted 
to have the purpose of bringing it up in a Sunday school class because Todd made that one step and said, I'm going to suck it up and I'm going to write this card because his dad decided, I'm going to call him because they both were willing to go to that place, that difficult place. That is a difficult place to enter. But it was God's purpose, and it literally changed lives. It changed our family. I want you to look up at that that you wrote earlier about is there anything that you're being hesitant about? And I want you to think about that again. And then the next question says, are you ready to say yes to the story? Or yes to God today with whatever it is that you wrote on there. And maybe since Ted talked, you've thought of something else that you need to say yes to in a relationship with somebody. And so I'm going to leave it there for a second. It's in big letters in the back. Are you willing to say yes to something? What is God asking of you as we've been talking about this for the past three and a half days now? What is he calling you to do that might be a difficult thing, but you're willing to take that first step? I'm going to pray for a second. Heavenly Father, I just... Um, I thank you that your purposes for each one of us come in so many different ways. Sometimes they are job changes. Sometimes they are conversations um, within our marriages. Sometimes they are um, going and helping someone who needs some help. Other times they're heart issues like forgiveness uh, that we're wrestling in there with you. With you. We are hesitant to respond because we feel, do feel justified. We want to hold on to that. And Lord, you want us free. You want us free from that. And so I'm just asking right now, Father, if there is anyone, regardless of what the purpose is that you're calling them to, um, and they're being hesitant on that, that they would write yes on there today. That they would, you would bring it to mind, that you would convict their spirit right now, that they would be open to that. I don't know who it is, if there's one person in here right now that's resisting you, Lord, or if there's 50 people resisting you. But you know, and I'm asking right now that you would touch their heart and convict them and allow them to listen to your spirit. And that they would just trust that by following your purposes, it's going to look so much better. It's going to look so much better in the long run. Thank you, Lord, for walking those steps with us. Amen. Those are hard first steps to take, and I'm going to share a story and then hope that we can finish today with some everyday takeaway sharing from the last couple days because we've missed that the last couple days. But um, I was... The dad that some of you saw here yesterday was not my biological dad. My parents were um, divorced when I was four, and then my mom remarried when I was almost six to that great man that you met there. And he is my dad. He's who I was raised by and call my dad. And then there's my biological dad. And my biological dad um, it was an alcoholic 
He was uh, emotionally abusive. He ran around on my mom extensively. Um, there was just a lot of really bad things that were going on in their marriage. And they divorced, and when they divorced, um, they at, at that stage, this is, you know, years ago, there wasn't this um, half the time at this house, half the time at this house. It was more of a, generally, they would go with, the kids would go with the mom, and then some weekends would be with the dad. And thankfully, in my case, it was like that. Um, so my dad was supposed to have me every other weekend. He did not desire to have me and my sister. There was also a little sister at this point. Um, he didn't desire to have that with us every other weekend. And so sometimes we would think he was coming, and we would wait for him, and he wouldn't show up. Sometimes we would be on the phone, and we'd be excited that he was going to have a phone call with us, and we'd talk to him, and he would be drunk. And so there was a lot of different things going on. This was not a good relationship, um, but it was still a connection. And his family, believe it or not, he came from an incredible, godly family who are, was the grandma and the great aunt I told you about. That was his family. So my spiritual markers in my life, my spiritual people who I looked up to were from my biological dad's family, but he was not there at all. He was the only child who was um, just really not a Jesus follower. And there were, a, there's a lot of different things going on. So as I grew up, uh, just a lot of things we kept in touch still, but a lot of missing links. He had gotten remarried, had three more children, and got a divorce. And so I had been in touch with the, my stepmom and those kids. They lived in Florida. And they were divorced, and we went down on our YFC trip to Florida. While I was down there, I contacted my stepmom just to check in, and she said, Misty, your dad is living out of a car. He needs an intervention. Can you come and talk to him? And I was like, really, God? Like, is this is part of your purpose? I do not want to go and have this conversation with my dad. My stepmom was adamant. She's like, I don't know what to do anymore. She was divorced with, from him at the time, but lived in close proximity, so he still had influence on the three children down there who were much younger than me. And she's like, I'm desperate. I need something. And so we were at this YFC camp. I told Todd, I'm like, I guess I'm out for the afternoon. I'm heading with my stepmom over to wherever she takes me to see my dad. And I just started praying. I'm like, God, I don't know where this is going. I haven't seen him in quite some time, um, but let's see what happens. So she picks me up. We have some small talk. She, she drives me there. I think she's going in with me. She is not a part of this. So we pull in the driveway, and she says, that's his car that has everything in it um, of his that he owns, but this guy is letting him sleep here right now, and it's this run-down shack that just looks like it should be condemned. says, this is where he is. He's, he's slept here, and so you can go in. I'll just sit in the car. <laughs> you take your time, Misty. <laughs> I'm like, Okay, thank you. <laughs> I'll be praying for you, though. Okay, cool. 
So I was very nervous, and I remember going up to this beaten down house and the door of it, there's a screen door and it's tattered and looking inside and it just smelled horrible in there and it was dark, you could hardly see through like the, the cloudy smoke and I w knocked on the door and I heard a grunt and I was like, is Gordy in there? Yeah, and I said, um, Dad, this is your daughter, Misty. I've come to see you and talk to you. And I could hear some shuffling around as he sat up from the couch and I walked in to this house. I made my way over to the couch and he tried to get himself composed and I sat down next to him. And I didn't at this point really know where this conversation was going to go. In the meantime, one of his roommates comes through and I'm just like, should I be here? This is a really strange, strange situation. And so at the same time that I'm praying for this relationship, I'm sort of praying for my protection as well as this strange man is wandering through here. And my dad just does not, he looks like he could die. And... I began conversation with him. He started to ask a little bit about my family and what I'm doing in Florida. He knows I live in Michigan, so I'm sharing with him these things. And then I just started, I don't like conflict. And I just started asking some questions that I, I knew only could come from God because I don't go there. I, I just have a very difficult time with those kind of conversations. I started talking about him and my mom and then him and his second wife, and the difficulties with alcohol, and the need that his children had for him still. And that, you know, just some of these kind of conversations. And he started to say that alcohol was never really a factor. And in my mind, I just am screaming, you know, but I'm like, called him, I'm dead. Yes, it was a factor. But Dad, I want to let you know that I forgive you. And that broke him. He, he needed to hear that from me, even though he wasn't willing to say, I messed up. And so telling him that I forgive him, the conversation ended with um, him standing up and us hugging, and we said a prayer together, and I left that house. The key part of this story happens actually on my way home on our YFC trip. I, was, I remember sitting on the bus and thinking, I'm never going to see that man again. He looked like he was on death's door that day. He was bloated, and he was, you could tell, just things just didn't look good. And as I was staring out the window, God spoke to me, and he said, Misty, I don't want you just to forgive your dad for what he's done in the past. I want you to forgive him for any actions he's going to do in the future. 
And I was like, wow, how do I do that? This was a dad that I could look and say he never remembered my birthday. I was always hungering for him to say that he was proud of me, that he loved me, something. And I, I always wanted that stuff. And God was saying, let it go. Let it go. Misty, I forgave you for your past. I forgave you for your future. It was like Jesus was sitting with me on the other side of this bus window as the highway was going by and there's 50-some high school kids screaming and yelling around me. It was like me and Jesus looking out this window and he was like, I forgave you before you were even born. I went to the cross for you, Misty, and you can do this for your dad. And I was able to let that go today only because of God. Only because of God. And it felt like a physical release. It was like Todd said, that weight just was removed. My dad lived many more years after that, and there's crazy stories after that of his life. He still never called me on my birthdays. He kept drinking. He kept doing drugs. He did not change that much at all. But I changed. God changed me. And that was the purpose of that day, right? The purpose was for God to do a work in my heart because when I do that, then I am so much more free to be used by him. When Todd forgave his dad, he's so much more free. He's, he's not walking around emotionally and spiritually like this, serving God. He's walking around like this. I am free. I have availability. My heart is open. I'm ready for whatever you have to pour into me because I'm not guarded walking around like this. The purpose was the forgiveness so that then he can pour into what are those other purposes. The purpose was the change that he needed to do within our hearts. So sometimes our purposes are physical things. We need to take those steps and go do things like job changes or whatever they are, helping other people. And those are all important purposes, you guys. We need to keep doing those within our everyday moments. But we also need to get our heart in line with his purposes. And part of doing that is following his purpose of forgiveness. We need to be able to have that forgiveness, to have the impact that he wants us to have. There's a quote in here that I wanted to read this morning. It's crazy that I'm just doing a little devotion book before I come in here. In the last two days, it was like it lined up perfect with, isn't that crazy how God does that? It just lines up perfect with, with things. It is wonderful, this is a quote by Hannah Smith, it is a wonderful what miracles God's, God works in wills. Let's start over. It is wonderful what miracles God works in wills that are utter, utterly surrendered to him. He turns hard things into easy and bitter things into sweet. It is not that he puts easy things in the place of hard, 
but he actually changes the hard things into an easy one. These are hard things. These are hard purposes. Conversations with people can be very difficult. They bring up things that we've been carrying around sometimes for decades. But, oh, the sweetness that comes from letting those things go and dealing with them opens ourselves up to so many bigger, greater things. So if God is calling you to, to reconciliation in some way with somebody, please take them up on it. Say, yes, God. Yes, I'm there with you. What, how do you want me to start this conversation? Maybe it's a card. Maybe it's a drive to go see somebody. I don't know how that begins for you. But if you're there today, allow him to do it. Allow him to do it. Our world hammers at us and tells us that we don't need to do that. It's about us. It's about justification. Here's all the things that we deserve. That isn't what God says. In Romans 12, 2, it says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then... Key word, then you will learn to know God's will for you, his purposes, which is good and pleasing and perfect. We say no to the customs and the behaviors of this world. We allow him to transform us. And then, then we are able to see what his good and pleasing and perfect purpose is for us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much. I see in some people's eyes this morning, there, there are some people who need to let some things go. Lord, touch those people right now. Give them the courage and the boldness that they need. Give them the assurity and that they can trust you. You are so trustworthy. You are faithful. You will walk them through this journey. Speak to them this morning. Give them the plan. Give them the courage and the boldness that you're calling them to, Lord. We love you so much, Father. And we pray these things in your name. Amen. I'm going to change gears just a little bit here because it is, we do have a couple minutes. Is it right? We have till 10.15? Yeah. We have a couple minutes. And so I want to see not just today's everyday takeaway. Actually, I'm going to give you a minute. If you're new here, the very bottom, it says the everyday takeaway. So take a minute, jot down what your everyday takeaway is today. Was there a scripture? Was there a word? Was there somebody sharing? What was it today? that was your everyday takeaway. Okay, who's a couple people? It can be a takeaway from any of the last couple days. Anybody that has a takeaway from one of the last couple days? Yes. Um, the first thing I wrote down 
Let it go. Excellent. I love that. Let it go. Who over here just had one? Yes. Yes, somebody said that quote yesterday, right? Yes, I love that. Anybody else? Let's have two more. Yes, way in the back. Yes, if God can forgive us, then we can forgive others. Excellent. One more. Anybody else? Yes, Mary. Letting go and letting God lead the way. That is a perfect one to end on. Thank you, guys. I want you to know that um, I'm loving my time here with you, and I love hearing your stories. Please know if you see me out there, if you see me sitting by the pool, if you see me sitting on my porch or at the dining room table or whatever, feel free to come and chat. I'd love to talk with you. A couple people have set up some um, separate times to do that, and if you want to do it that way, that's awesome too. I'd love to hear a little bit more about your story. You're here learning a lot about me, and I would love to learn about you and be able to pray for you. And with that said, if you want a prayer request, make sure to put that on the back of one of those cards over there because I would love to pray for you as well. So have a fantastic day. We will wrap this all up tomorrow morning. So enjoy your day.